This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Oh, hello and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I am Paul Gallant and it is Wednesday, May 26th of 2021. The Seattle Mariners have actually won two games in a row. And the latest of which, they got 11 hits. 10 hits against A's starting pitcher, I am very salty, I am very sad, wham, 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 wham. That's his actual name. I'm talking, of course, about the one and only Cole Irvin, who said after the game, a team like that shouldn't be putting up 10 hits against me or anyone. So a little bulletin board material before this afternoon's game. Factually, somewhat accurate. At the same time, bro, you lost. And By the way, the Seattle Mariners undefeated against the first place Oakland A's thus far on the season. The best part about last night's baseball game, a couple of things. You saw J.P. Crawford go uh, with three hits over the course of the game, a couple of web gems by Kyle Lewis, Mitch Hanniger as well, but it's Jared Kelnick going two for five. After the week that he had last week, where it was rough, really rough. You saw all that promise on Friday against the Cleveland Indians in his second game, and then before that, the first game and the games afterwards, you're wondering, okay, it might take Jared Kelnick a while to get acclimated to the major leagues. How long is it going to take? But then, Monday night, he hits a home run. He bombs it, and he made some solid contact in that game. Last night, he opens up the game with a second pitch base hit. Here's the set by Irvin. Looks back at the runner, the 0-2, swinging a ground ball to first. Diving try, Olsen gets behind him for a base hit. Murphy running third, heading home. He's being waved in. Down the stretch he comes, and he scores on a base hit at the right field by Jared Kelnick, and the Mariners now lead the A's 4-2. Kelnick's second base hit of the night and his fifth RBI in the big leagues. Leadoff hit to open the game. RBI hit later in the game. So, situationally, you're seeing Jared Kelnick succeed in different spots, and now, three for nine, his last two games. I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, but guess what? I am choosing to believe that Jared Kelnick has conquered his first slump. It was a brief slump. It was only a week. Jerry DePoto was on with us this morning. Usually, he is on Danny and Gallant Thursdays at 8.30, but the Mariners general manager said something that has me pretty excited about young Jared Kelnick, our sweet, sweet boy. Yeah, I, it's hard to say it's a slump because it's so quick. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, his first day, his first day, he it moved fast for him. His second day, he was the best player on the field, uh, and then the, the five or six days after, he looked like a young player trying to find his way. And you know, along the way, you know, what he was doing, he was putting the ball in play, and that was that. That is encouraging. And, and if I look at you know the, the body of work over his first forty-five or fifty plate appearances. It's it's probably not too far off what great players do when they're when they're breaking into the league, and I do think that Jared has a chance to be one of them. Jerry's right in that a week, probably not a slump. But later on, how do you not get excited hearing Jerry Depoto say, even if he is maybe a little bit biased in viewing Jared Kelnick and his first voyage in the majors? How can you not be excited when you hear him say that's what great players do? To be able to figure things out that quickly and to the way he plays, too, with this intensity, 
I, I don't want to go too crazy and say that it's contagious energy, but some of the stuff that he does out there, man, it it really does make me feel that you have someone that the rest of the team is going to look at, and it's going to increase that level of play just a little bit. Maybe that confidence, that level of belief. Anywho. This is perhaps me being a wishful thinker, a hopeless optimist about a baseball team that has been struggling for 20 years. So here is today's question of the day. Jared Kelnick, he's three for nine with a home run, two runs batted in, a walk, and a strikeout over the last two nights against the first place A's, which I also think is important. It's only been a pair of games, but do you think Jared Kelnick has officially stumped his first slump? 7-10-7-10 is how you text in on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line one text how can I be excited when Jerry doesn't know what a great player is remember he did not draft anyone that was great for the Angels he was fired you could look at it from that perspective but at the same time don't you learn on the job are you going to judge Jerry DePoto entirely based off of his time with the Angels which is so long ago honestly I wouldn't I think it was a difficult situation to be in when you have Mike Sosha a World Series winning manager as the guy who is running things and who also seems to have a clear aversion to the idea of doing things the way that baseball is done now pretty much universally across the sport, operating from that approach of, yeah, we're going to look at the numbers and we are going to use the numbers to our advantage. We're going to look for guys who hit for power over guys who hit for contact. They went in a different direction. Text in 710-710. This has nothing to do with Jerry DePoto or Jared Kelnick, but I am glad someone brought this up. Do you find the constant drumming during A's games annoying? Yes, I hate it. Whoever is playing that bell, it is akin to that Will Ferrell famous Saturday Night Live skit with Christopher Walken where he's playing on the cowbell and he's playing on it so loud. And Christopher Walken keeps on coming in and saying as they interrupt the band and the band's like, why is he playing the cowbell so loud? I need more cowbell. I keep on hearing that and I, 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 get, I actually have had to put the game on mute a couple of times. The A's and their broke stadium that have these fans that are constantly playing music because I'm assuming that they're too bored or uh, in a, unable to actually pay attention for a full game. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Yep, makes me sound like a fogey, a chuggy. Don't care. One last story to dive into before we hear from Maura Dooley for what's trending. I thought about this last night. It really didn't take a whole lot to get Russell Wilson happy this offseason, did it? Jeremy Fowler was on Jake and Stacy yesterday, and he said that Russell Wilson is happy now. He got the things that he wanted. And I don't want to besmirch the Seahawks' big additions on the offensive side of things this offseason. But you got Gabe Jackson, who was a veteran guard, a guy that John Gruden has talked warmly about in the past, but that's John Gruden who often talks out both sides of his mouth. He's better, I guess, than what you had in Mike Yapati. Gerald Everett, a guy that the Rams saw fit to cast off Former second-round pick, they clearly weren't that enthused with him as a tight end. They like Tyler Higby more. And you get Dwayne Eskridge, who is really fast, but he played at Western Michigan. Those three, those are enough to make Russell Wilson feel a lot better about his current situation. Doesn't seem like it takes a whole lot to please him. And it got me thinking about maybe, maybe there's a conspiracy theory here that Greg Rosenthal had entertained on last week's Around the NFL podcast. My conspiracy theory that Russell Wilson partly put out all the trade requests to distract everyone from his his self-started MVP campaign 
crashing off the tracks because of the worst ten game stretch of his entire career. Which for whatever reason he got like no blame for. Maybe from some Seahawks fans like yourself. I mean, I think kind of noticed, but I feel like nationally it was just like their offensive line stinks and Brian Shot and oh, oh and they stopped like trying to throw the ball. It's like no Russell like it happens. I'm not that worried long term, but that yeah. was the worst ten game stretch of his career. He struggled. It did feel like there was a little bit of blame shifting going on down the stretch. There was more of a spotlight on him with what he said during the offseason, with what he said in the first half of the season. Things went to heck. And then at the end of the year, I can understand why Russell Wilson is saying, oh, I need this. I need that. You get that for one offseason. You don't get it for next offseason. I'll make that compromise for all those people who think that I I do not like Russell Wilson. I love watching him. I am sometimes tired of his antics it's the most interactive sports talk show in seattle 710 710 is how you text in kelnick's first 45 plate appearances are better than vladimir guerrero juniors Ooh, that sounds good another hey could we say he's just good in that stadium if he does slump again you could argue that it's a good team though that's a good a's team it's the most interactive sports talk show in seattle we will be hearing from you all show long 710 710 is how you text in 206-421-3776 is how you can call in in five minutes. Your chance to be heard at Gallant Says on Twitter. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Now it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now? Good morning, afternoon. How are you? I feel like I'm perhaps riding through the most difficult parts of the allergy storm as I continue to be the Ben Roethlisberger of 710 ESPN Seattle. Nope, not not that thing. Just I talk about my injuries a whole lot. Daily allergy updates, Paul. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, you need to caring get a about sponsorship it. with like Flonase. Or... You know what? This is a great point. Um, sales department. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the match, you'll remember, happened last year, um, kind of a crossover event where um, some football players were paired up with some golfers. This year, it is returning with July 6th with Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady taking on Aaron Rodgers and the hated, for Paul Gallant, Bryson DeChambeau. I, Bryson's the worst. I hate his hat. I saw some. He posts videos of himself working out. I hate people that do that. Yeah. I have friends who do it, too. I've never known what to actually say to them, Maura. If you see them on Instagram, like, posting videos of them working out. I mean, unless that's your brand and people are, like, subscribing and paying you. Like, just do your workout. No one cares. Right. But everyone thinks they're a brand now. That's the problem. Yeah. In the case of Bryson DeChambeau, okay, he's a golfer. Clearly, he has worked out this offseason to gain all of that bulk that he gained. I saw this video of him, like, lifting and he wasn't even doing bicep curls correctly, but I think he was trying to show off that he was doing bicep curls with, with really heavy weights. Based off of my knowledge of weightlifting, which I actually have some experience in, which is surprising for some given that I am a skinny beanpole, he's not doing it right. Uh, Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson coming in hot. Phil Mickelson, of course, just won the PGA Championship. Tom Brady, the reigning Super Bowl champion. A lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, I don't know, because Brady really disappointed last year. I expected I expected more of him. Uh, just with how competitive he is, I thought maybe he would show up, and it was uh, pretty ugly. I want Brady to focus on zingers in this one. I want Brady to focus on trolling Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It w- there was some good audio that came out of that last year. There was. And Tom Brady 
seemed a little more human to some. I liked it. I liked the. I I did enjoy the match. I found myself surprised. I did not think I was going to, and I actually tuned in and I watched it. Didn't Brady split his pants? Yeah, yeah, he did. That did happen. Okay, I was like, did I imagine that? I feel like that was a thing. Nothing worse than splitting your pants. Yeah, that hasn't happened to me in a while. Especially on national TV. Yeah. All right, next up, good news. NFL training camps officially will open July 27th for all teams except those playing in the Hall of Fame game and then the regular season opener. They're allowed to get started a little bit earlier. Fans are permitted if state and local guidelines allow it, so the Seahawks remain hopeful that by that point, Washington will allow them to have fans out of training camp. Based off of my limited knowledge of all things Washington, I feel like it's, what, the end of June that everything is supposed to open back up? Now, who yeah. knows with all these target dates? Training camp's not till the end of July. Right. I think we can make this happen. I think we can as well. And there's nothing better than like a nice hot July day out on the water at VMAC with a ton of fans cheering the players on. It's it's a really fun. You, have you even been able to be there when fans are out of camp yet? Uh, No. I went to OTAs, I think. Was it, was it? No, I went to training camp last year and it was, it was empty. Yeah. Also, the weather did not cooperate any of the days that I went. It was like the, the two days that it was cloudy and rainy, I think, were the days that were open to the media. Oh, well, that's a bummer. But yeah, it's great. When the fans are out there, they get quite a bit of them. And they uh, they will. And sometimes the players put on a little show. I remember, I think it was Richard Sherman and Doug Baldwin doing some uh, fake basketball moves for the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> they, they ham it up sometimes. It's a, it's, it's a good time. And the, the music, they always have a DJ. The music is good. It's the, an event. Yes. I, it, it actually, you know, and I compare it to my experience in Houston. Houston likes to play this terrible song by a country music singer named Clay Walker called yeah. Football Time in Houston. This is the worst song, and it's just constantly playing whenever you're there. I began to appreciate it ironically to try to troll everybody, and people got mad at me. Yeah, I was you don't spoken have to worry to about Texans. country at it. Seahawks practice. No, which is good. I'm yeah. not, a, not, a, not a country fan. Me either. Not hating on those who do like country music. There are some good country songs, but as a— John Clayton Will. Really? Working with him for a few years, I can tell you, he, oh, he hates country music. Oh, that's interesting. With a passion. If you go back in time, like, the, the old country's good. The problem is, there's this new stuff today, and it all, to me, sounds the same. And it's basically a guy, like, saying, I'm so relatable. I go outside, and I go fishing with my dog, and I go hunting the next day, because I'm just like you with my wife okay, and home. that's enough of that. That's the country uh, jamboree here on the Paul Gallant <laughs> Show. More dually with What's Trending. Brought to you by King Seating and Air every single day at 10-15. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. 710-710 is how you text in on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Okay, did Jared Kelnick conquer his first slump with what you've seen the last two days? We have Brady Henderson coming up in the sports pit to talk a little more Seahawks at 1030. But right now it's time for you to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Text in 710-710. Someone's calling me out on my weightlifting. Paul, apparently you don't know weightlifting because Bryson was doing a shoulder workout. It's called your delts, buddy. Was he doing a shoulder workout? I am not the person to ask. You know what? I'm not either. I am uh, like, what is it? Uh, like gluten. I'm like weightlifting intolerant. Oh, can't I, do it? I will run all day. I like cardio. I don't like cardio. <laughs> I don't like cardio at all, but I do it. I do it anyway because I want to have a six-pack again, which is never going to happen given the uh, diet that I generally have on the Life's weekend. Life's short. Eat food. That's a good point. I need to eat more bread. 
Yes. Mike Lefko gave me a cookie yesterday. That was neat. No one cares about any of these things. 710-710. Has Jared busted through that slump? Stumped the slump, if you will. A text 253. Jared has had solid at-bats since he came up. Few strikeouts, lots of hard-hit balls, showcasing both power and contact. Going to be a special player. The way that he frames that, with all of the consistent contact that he has had, maybe that wasn't necessarily a slump. Maybe it was what Jared Kelnick described as bad luck during that media availability that he had before his first home run um, since the second game of the year on Monday. He had an immediate availability, and I, uh, he said all of the things that you want to hear from a young player who is going through some tough times. I thought he had great perspective, thinking about how maybe a day off, which he got on Sunday, could give him a different kind of perspective. But maybe because he's been hitting it the way that he's been hitting it, maybe this isn't a slump. Maybe this is actually a continuation of what we have seen thus far and the first slump which everyone talks about is one of the big things that a young player is going to have to go through over the course of his career. Maybe it's still in front of us. I choose to believe that this was the first one. I think you have to choose to believe it was the first one too. Because I I don't, I wrote an article for 710sports.com about patience with this Mariners team. I feel like you need to have this guy performing to justify any patience. He has to definitively be. Everyone else after the fact, you're going to figure it out, but I don't know that you're going to figure it out by the end of the year. With Kalnick, I think you are. You want to know that he's a superstar, or at least has the potential to be one. And what we have seen the last two nights, I mean, it's, it's against the Oakland A's. I feel like when you're going up against a good team in baseball, things should be weighed a little bit differently. They're the first place team in the American League West. By the way, you're 2-0 against them. That's awesome. And you have a chance to potentially pull off a three-game series sweep this afternoon because, of course, the Mariners play this afternoon. Uh, seven ten, seven ten. Um, American Shakespeare and Company text line. Paul singing made my ears bleed. Filing a workers' compensation claim. I would like to say that when my uh, allergies are not attacking me as viciously as they are, that my singing voice isn't bad. But given the way that Moore pulled the plug on that one so quickly, <laughs> I'm assuming that is not actually the case. You're killing my hopes and dreams, Mora. I just want you to know that. Text in Kelnick and team need to show that they can hit at home. They have already been no hit twice at home hopefully they can fix that soon that comes from joseph you know last week when i went to t-mobile park and wandered around the outfield as we were all taking batting practice that place is a cavern and and i i I made a point to somebody while i was out there just thinking man it's so big out here i could kind of see why ken griffey jr alex rodriguez might have been frustrated with the stadium a little bit wasn't exactly the most hitter-friendly thing, and I know that they've made some adjustments in the time since. It is strange that things have not gone their way at home, and I know that there's like some weather theories that if the ball's less damp as the summer continues, that it might be a little bit easier, but I think that's a fair point. Maybe maybe this park is a little bit of a detriment to them, but yeah, you got to start hitting at home. Absolutely. Uh, 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line Paul did you see thank you for reminding me about this I did talk about it right out of the shoot did you see the starting pitcher Cole Irvin say a team like that shouldn't be putting up 10 hits against me or anyone he's got to cool it with just with putting it up against me he's right though right I mean 10 hits is surprising from the Mariners with the way that they're currently constructed and I do think that 
right now you, you you feel like you got a pretty good core group in the lineup, maybe a little bit better than you were feeling a week ago. But I think that's mainly because of the way that J.P. Crawford's been hitting. And I wonder if that's sustainable. I mean, he had three hits last night. He all of a sudden has overtaken Mitch Hanniger as the Mariner with the best batting average on the team. I mean, that surprised me. Honestly, I, I had some skepticism about J.P. Crawford going into the year. The, I, I, I look at the Mariners' defense. You can't really question it. And by the way, Crawford's having a great season defensively. But there's so many defensive players. And it's, you know, it's not possible to win with just defense alone as much as we would like to see it. Defense does not win championships in baseball. I guess you could make the argument that pitching does, though. 206-421-3776. That is how you call in. You can text into 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. A text, 253, watching Kelnick play reminds me of watching A-Rod and Griffey when they first came up. Young, exciting, and a fire in them that is contagious. Yep, that part, that part, the fire, the contagious fire. Again, sometimes sounds like hyperbole, cliche, all of those things. I, I will roll my eyes at myself for talking about things like that. But those are kind of the gut feelings that I am getting watching this kid play. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line because guess what? Up next, Seahawks expert, Seahawks beat reporter for ESPN.com, Brady Henderson is going to join us. Do you have a question about the Seahawks? I actually have five things that I would like to learn about the Seahawks. We'll get into some of those, and we'll also talk about the status of Jamal Adams' contract. I haven't heard a lot on that front of late. Is that a good thing? It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're to fail. With Paul Gallant. And joining me from ESPN, the one and only Hendo, a.k.a. Brady Henderson. I'm going to make that nickname happen. Brady, what's going on, buddy? What's going on, Paul? Yeah, Hendo is already taken by the late, great Dave Henderson. So I guess Hendo is it's what's left for me. That's fine by me. I think it's perfect. You wrote an interesting article last week, and it reminded me of something that just consistently has piqued my interest over the past year. Whenever you hear the Seahawks talk about Daryl Taylor, they speak about him with just an incredible amount of excitement. And you wrote a piece about Daryl Taylor last week. Seahawks' Daryl Taylor finally ready to get going after missing his rookie season. I encourage everyone to check that article out. What are realistic expectations for Daryl Taylor going into this year? Because he's a guy that I I think most people would view as a defensive end, but there's been talk about him potentially moving to that strong side linebacker position too. Yeah, and that to me was really the story of rookie minicamp. You know, there, there was only two days as opposed to three. There were fewer players there than normal, so there weren't really a lot of highlight plays to talk about and you know taylor was uh you know obviously a second year player who was able to take part in that because he spent you know all last season on the non-football injury list and uh we had heard a little bit from pete carroll had had said something about how he's maybe an option at strong side linebacker but that was really the first time that we had seen him on the field and you got to remember you know the only i think two or three practices he had last year uh, were at the very end of the season, the, the week that they played the Rams in the wild card game. And I, if I remember correctly, we weren't even allowed to attend those. And so actually seeing Daryl Taylor in the flesh on the practice field, uh, it, it actually kind of made that possibility seem a little bit more realistic. Now, I don't think that they are 100% counting on that. I think it's more than an experiment, but I don't think there's any, I don't think it's a sure thing uh, that he sticks in that role. Now, he did 
do some dropping. Uh, he played some outside linebacker, strong side linebacker in you know, in college and, and a three, four front at Tennessee. So it's not a completely foreign switch to him, but um, you know, in terms of realistic expectations, I think, I think a realistic expectation is for him to compete it, to, to make a serious push at that dual role that Bruce Irvin used to fill. And um, in terms of sack numbers, you know, I, I don't think you can, I don't think he's, I don't think it'd be realistic to expect him to get, uh, 10 or even seven or eight sacks as a rookie that just, I mean, I know he's not a rookie, uh, but he sort right. of is in the sense that he didn't play last year. And so I think, you know, three or four sacks make some plays uh, as a strong side linebacker and, and really be a factor in that pass rush rotation. I think that's realistic for him. Yeah, it was a bit of a medical redshirt year and an interesting part of the PC row. One Seahawks source told ESPN Team rated Taylor as the second best pass rusher in last year's draft behind only Chase Young. Ironically, Alton Robinson, the rookie who had the second most sacks among defensive players in the NFL last year. Very curious to see what he's going to do. Also curious, Brady, about what the conversation about Daryl Taylor might mean for K.J. Wright. We have not heard a whole lot about K.J. Wright over the last couple of weeks. I would imagine that means that there is still a pretty good chance that he'd come back to Seattle. Yeah, I, I don't think that the door is closed on that. And I've, and I've spoken with somebody uh, with the team who, who said the exact same thing, that you, you just don't close the door on a guy like K.J. Wright, who was, you know meant so much to that team and that locker room over the years. But it seems clear to me that they want to, A, get younger, uh, more athletic, cheaper at that position and it also seems clear to me that they want somebody who again can can be a pass can double as a pass rusher to go back to last season they remember they brought Bruce Servant back to fill the Bruce Servant role because they wanted somebody who could do both who could play strong side linebacker on early downs and who could who could rush the passer put his hand in the ground on third down and you know KJ Wright for as well as he filled in at strong side linebacker once Bruce Servant went down last season you know, he's a traditional linebacker who, who's not going to rush the pass. I mean, he's a good blitzer, but he's not going to put his hand in the ground and rush the passer. So it really seems like, you know, the fact that they are trying Taylor at that spot now, that tells me that they really want the next Bruce Irvin, somebody who can do both. And, and I think they also really want, you know, in today's NFL, uh, where there's so much passing going on, there's so many of those, you know, ultra-fast Tyreek Hill. Well, nobody's as fast as Tyreek Hill, but you know what I mean. Really speedy receivers, I think, I think it's important to them to get – more speed on the field, and again, as well as KJ Wright played last year, I, I don't know if he really, I don't know if he really fits exactly what they yeah. want to do. That said, if Taylor doesn't work out, if KJ Wright doesn't have anything else going on, I, I could definitely see them bringing him back. But that would just mean them kind of having a different plan for that position than what I think they ideally would want there. So strange to see him still hanging around out there after what might have been the best year of his career, especially with those two teams that have. Seahawk ties with their new defensive coordinators. You, you have Dan Quinn in Dallas, and also um, you have uh, Gus Bradley in, in in Las Vegas. And then on top of that, I mean Robert Sala's with the New York Jets. It is surprising to me that that he is hanging around. But yeah, I guess we're just gonna have to sit back and wait and see on that front. Uh, Brady Henderson with us on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline in the Sports Pit. So also quiet. It's we haven't heard a whole lot about the Seahawks and contract negotiations with. Jamal Adams. I'm of the belief, Brady, I, I don't feel like it's going to get that heated. Maybe I'm naive in thinking so because I feel like since he played in hell with the New York Jets that he maybe has yeah. a little bit of a different perspective. But what do you think about it? Where, where do you think the Seahawks are right now as they try to extend him? 
Yeah, I, I have not checked on that recently, but I know from you know when I talked to somebody in the organization earlier in the offseason, there was a lot of confidence that they would get that deal done at some point this offseason. Now, there wasn't really any sort of timetable, so you know this was, I don't know, maybe March or so, and, and the person I spoke with didn't know whether it was going to happen before the draft, after the draft, but you know, I think if you if you look at when they typically extend players with at least or with one year left on their contract, it's typically May, June, July, and sometimes August. You know, Russell Wilson was an exception a couple of years ago because he had set that April fifteenth deadline. Tyler Lockett was another exception this year. I think that was more for salary cap purposes because they needed the salary cap space that they ended up gaining uh, by giving him a new deal, and so. This is right around the time where that typically happens. And you know, I just, again, I know from earlier in the offseason, there was confidence they would get a deal done. The one hangup that I could see happening is if Adams is insistent on being paid like a pass rusher. Now, if, if he's content with being the highest paid safety in the NFL, which I think the Seahawks would, I think the Seahawks would be fine doing that. Then you're looking at, you know, around 16 million. If he wants to be paid more like a pass rusher, which is, effectively what he was you know he, he led the team in sacks nine and a half last year obviously a record for a defensive back in a single season now you're looking more towards 20 million and so that would be the only right. hang up i could see but i do think you make a good point that he was very unhappy with the jets and by all accounts he seemed very happy to be playing for pete carroll playing uh in seattle and so i think that'll obviously work in in the favor of getting a deal done given what they're paying Bobby Wagner and, and also just given what we got out of what we saw out of both players last year I, I, I do think that Adams was a little bit more impactful on the defensive side of things do you think they maybe look at the Bobby Wagner contract and say that's a warning for them as far as giving a defensive player that kind of a deal that's not at a pass rusher position or do they look at that and say well, look well Jamal Adams is probably our future centerpiece defensively maybe that's the kind of deal that we should be willing to give him yeah, that's a good point, but I, I don't think that they would be wary because, you know, that was the third contract for Wagner, and this, you know, he was, I think, 27, 28 at the time. Um, you know, Adams is, is a little bit younger. This is only his second contract, and I, I also think that, you know, Wagner, I think that he played better last season than than people maybe give him credit for, and it's kind of this weird deal where he was an all-pro, and so some people, you know, think that he, he didn't play as well. You certainly have not seen as many of the impact plays he was making two, three, four years ago. That's my issue, right. I'm with you. Like He was a a first-team All-Pro. I don't know if I go so far as to make him a first-team All-Pro. He was a good player last year. It's somewhere in between those two, I think. Yeah, and I think that I I know one thought in the organization was that having another player like Adams, another stud defensive player, would kind of help Wagner Mm. in giving, giving offenses another guy that they really have to pay attention to and they really have to game plan for. And, you know, as we saw the Legion of Boom kind of disintegrate over the last few years, there were fewer and fewer players like that on the Seahawks defense. And so, you know, I I talked with with one scout who said he thought that Jamal Adams, his presence last year, albeit for 12 games, whatever it was, kind of got Wagner going. And so maybe, you know, maybe if Adams is healthy again this year for a full 16, 17 games now, um, you know, maybe that changes. maybe, Maybe that helps Wagner more. Who knows? Um, you know, with the Wagner contract, I'll make one more quick point on that. I, I, it's easy to look at it in terms of what is the linebacker market. You know, he, he's get, he gets paid sort of on the bottom end of like the top tier pass rushers. Trey Flowers, for instance, who plays mm. for Detroit. I mean, if you would anybody would anybody think that Wagner would anybody think that Trey Flowers impacts the game 
more than Bobby Wagner. I, mean, I would it, not. It's, it's, right. And so I, I don't know. I kind of think it's easy to look at it in terms of, of the position. I look at it more in terms of the impact and, um, but who knows, you know, there's, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I get the other side though, where if you're going to be paying 18 million, you do want some more of those impact plays that he was making. That is Brady Henderson, everybody. Seahawks beat reporter for ESPN. Check him out on Twitter at Brady Henderson. Brady, always a pleasure, man. Have a good one. Oh, you bet, Paul. Thank you. That is Hendo, Brady Henderson. Some texts are not thrilled because Dan Henderson from UFC Pride is Hendo. I guess I need to watch UFC. I don't, I, there's a part of me that wants to get a little bit more into fighting sports, and I base this entirely off of finally, finally sitting down and watching when we are were kings about the Rumble in the Jungle, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman. Man, that is a great documentary, and they made that thing in 1996. Okay, guys, the last segment. You know how this show now works. You get to pick what I talk about, and you've got three options. Five Seahawks things I can't wait to learn about. Shouldn't we recognize this guy as an athlete? A very, very famous person. Or the worst puff piece I can remember. On top of that, Jake Heaps is mad. You'll find out why next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. You guys are in for a juicy Jake and Stacy radio program coming up next. And I look forward to hearing Stacey Ross needle Jake Heaps over this. Jake Heaps posted on Twitter a picture of the NFL Network's Michael Robinson. He put together a list of the top five quarterbacks entering 2021. Jake is not having it. Here is the list. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Okay, understandable. Number two, Josh Allen. Interesting. I guess I'm not going to say no to that. Number three, Aaron Rodgers probably should be ahead of Josh Allen based off of what he did, but you don't know where he's going to be. Number four, Dak, Dak Prescott? Uh, I mean, it, it, his ankle broke in half last year. That was gruesome to watch. Disagree. Strong disagree. Five, Matthew Stafford. Are you, are you serious? That is a... Uh, that is an interesting wrinkle at the end of all of this. So, Jake, not feeling it, and I don't blame him, let the record show that Michael Robinson should never put together a top quarterback list again. It is interesting that Michael Robinson's done such a 180 on Russ because he used to be so Team Russ back in the day. I'm guessing it has to do with the way that this offseason went. He did not seem enthused with that list that was put out by Russell Wilson's agent of teams that he would be okay being traded to. I finally figured out the commonality between all of these cities, by the way. Las Vegas, New Orleans, party cities. Chicago in the summer, party city. Your theory is that Russell's a closet partier? Yeah, yeah I think so. I Dallas, think so. party city. All of those places, <laughs> party cities. I'm just saying. I can't even picture it. You know what, Mora? I, I feel like those Hawaiian shirts, they got to be put to good use. And as someone who also likes a good Hawaiian shirt. You know what? I mean, those oh, are some good places to sport them. Sierra got rid of those Hawaiian shirts a long time ago. No, she didn't. She did. If she did, she's crazy because that is the new fashion, everybody. We're bringing them back. Uh, so I responded that to Jake. I, I, I said, oh, it's interesting, the 180. Jake's, Jake's fired up to the point where he's putting up lists he knows are trash. 
I better not see him ever come back around on Russ. Keep this energy when he gets back to playing top four. I'm cool if he flip-flops. I think we all should be cool. Jake is not feeling that. So looking forward to Jake and Stacy coming up next. All right, 1045, you get to pick what I talk about. So we had three topics. One of them, five things that I want to learn about the Seahawks. Generally, that's going to be the go-to, right? Because you guys want all the Seahawks content you can handle. The second one was a celebrity that I consider an athlete. The third one is just a terrible puff piece. You guys pick the five things you want to learn about the Seahawks. So spoiler alert on the terrible puff piece. It was about a baseball umpire named Joe West. It made him out to be some sort of saint. And honestly, I feel like Johnny Knoxville, if we're going to consider uh, golfers, athletes, and professional bull riders, athletes, uh, why not want to put Johnny Knoxville of a show that tests his body to the limits in that realm of athletes? But because he's doing it for, you know, your entertainment. Sort of qualifies. But let's go into the five things that I want to learn about the Seahawks this season. Someone texted in, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line, what about Dwayne Eskridge? That is my biggest question going into the year. Is Dwayne Eskridge going to open the Seahawks passing game up significantly? Because he is the candidate that you look at that should be the one that's getting some of these touches that you would assume go to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. That will not be learned until the end of the year. I don't expect much early. You expect a strong finish from any rookie who gets significant playing time. That's what we got out of DK Metcalf in his first season in 2019. Remember that game that he had in the playoffs against the Eagles? Oh, man. Terrifying. Others, things that I would like to learn about the Seahawks in 2021. The Rams were fine for moving, moving on from Gerald Everett. Why? I mean, they, they didn't really make much of an effort to bring him back. I get that there were some changes. Maybe they didn't have the cap space, seeing as they have somehow been able to dodge the IRS with some of the contracts that they have given out. But is Gerald Everett going to actually be a plus at tight end, or is this going to be another Greg Olson just in a different way? He's a former second-round pick, and the Rams were totally fine letting him walk. And I don't think that there was that much interest in Gerald Everett, given that he signed a one-year contract with Seattle. Another thing I want to learn about the Seahawks this coming season, is Gabe Jackson truly an upgrade at guard? And it sounds like Damian Lewis is going to end up switching over to left and that Gabe Jackson would play right guard because that's where he's played the majority of his career. Is that a huge upgrade or is it a minimal upgrade? You know, you're going up against Aaron Donald. You're going up against Nick Bosa, who's expected back for camp. You're you're going up against some really good pass rushers and strong players in this league. Uh, Excuse me, in this NFC West. Now J.J. Watt's in the mix, too. And sometimes I, I feel like those, those defensive linemen might be lined up right next to Gabe Jackson. We talked about this with Brady Henderson. Lesson number four, the thing that I want to learn about the Seattle Seahawks in 2021. For all the time and air spent talking about Daryl Taylor, who we have not seen on a football field in the game yet. Is he actually going to contribute this year? And then the last thing, DJ Reed's now a starting cornerback. We liked him, but is he capable of being the team's primary corner now that Shaquille Griffin is gone? I like him to ask him to do what he did in the second half of last year for an entire season when he's going to be going up against much better quarterbacks this coming season. Aaron Rodgers is on the schedule amongst others. I mean, shoot, one of the worst ones I guess you're going to go up against this year is Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars. He's still Trevor Lawrence. He's definitely a quarterback that you look at and you you wonder about. Maybe Deshaun Watson's back. You play the Texans late in the year. Intrigued by all of those. And we will learn a lot. As the season goes along. Paul, thanks for the obvious statement to wrap things up. You're absolutely welcome. Lots of thanks to go around for today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show.
to Brady Henderson. Hendo, who joined us in the sports pit. To you, the texters on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. And to the one and only Maura Dooley behind the glass. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long. Farewell. Toodaloo.